So how much time have you spent considering the changes your ministry has experienced in recent months, especially with COVID and everything around that? Maybe you've taken a step back and uh, just to taken a peek into the future just to see how work has changed because of everything we've experienced in the last five months. One article that I read recently uh, put out by the uh, research group Gartner is titled The Nine Future of Work Trends in a Post-COVID-19 Environment. Uh, we'll link to this article in the show notes, but I, I just wanted to highlight uh, four of the trends that they highlighted there. Uh, first is that remote work is here to stay. Gar think about this statistic. This really is amazing. Gardner found that over 48% of the workers that they surveyed plan to work in some kind of remote working after COVID, after everything settles down. 40, that's almost 50% of the entire working population in the United States. And that compares to 30% who is working before COVID. That's a huge increase. And that's a, uh, uh, that, that's a, a pretty, um, pretty big impact on the way that we do work in a post-COVID environment here in the United States. Uh, the point, the second point that I wanted to bring up is that that contingent workers are going to be a bigger part of the team. Well, what is a contingent worker? Uh, contingent workers. So, so if, as an organization, let's say you have your full-time team, and then maybe you have uh, contractors or part-time. Those would be your contingent workers. And in a post-COVID world, Gartner's predicting that you're going to see more and more contingent workers. They're going to be a part of your regular team. I know we've seen that in our organization in that um, we use contractors on a regular basis, but they are just like, just as if they're a part of the team. Third one is that organizations are shifting from being designed for efficiency to being designed for resilience. Last year, 2019, in a, another survey that Gardner ran, they found that 55% of organizations were focused on streamlining and improving their efficiencies. Uh, that, that introduced a significant fragility that made a rapid response when COVID, when COVID hit that made that rapid response pretty difficult. As compared to those organizations that are thinking about resilience and, and those organizations were in a better, better place to be able to respond to the, uh, to the situation. Just, just in, as an example, one organization that we worked with was able to turn on a dime and completely create a brand new video podcast or video podcast, so a vlog, a YouTube channel in just eight days. So they went from Design to concept to producing it live in just eight days. And for a, for a ministry organization, that, that really is astounding. So or those organizations are going to be focused on resilience, not just efficiencies. And the fourth area that I wanted to point out from this article is that work is going to be more complex. Uh, just around between managing remote teams, having more people on the team that are contingent employees, uh, and then redesigning your processes for that resilience. That's going to make all of our jobs more complex, whether you're leading an organization or in the middle management or um, even even on the front lines. And so just being aware of, of some of those trends as we move into this post-COVID era, really, really encourage you to grab that article. It's, it's a, about a, uh, written in June, so it's a couple months old, but it's getting really good traction. The Nine Future Work Trends Post-COVID-19. Again, you can find that article in the, in the show notes.
Ministry at Scale podcast. This is the place where we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips that can help your ministry multiply its digital impact. Today we have a special Digital Ministry Conference edition. We're going to be replaying one of our most requested sessions from the 2020 Digital Ministry Conference. This session, we're going to learn from some leaders who have been taking a digital-first approach to ministry. We're going to be introducing you a fantastic panel of experts that share some great insights that's going to help you navigate this increasingly digital world. We'll be talking with Brian Mosley of Right Now Media, Shay Hoodman, who's the founder of Got Questions, Jim Milligan, the founder of Blue Letter Bible. All three of those organizations are just digital first. They are, you can almost say they're digital only ministries. So go ahead, grab a cup of coffee and enjoy the show. I'm going to bring on Scott Anderson um, right now, who is going to introduce our panelists for this next session called Digital First Ministry. Like we've hear, we're hearing these terms and this jargon, and sometimes your leaders um, understand what they are and sometimes they don't. Um, it, I think it's a good practice to actually have shared language and understanding. And in order to do that, especially um, in this period of time, we're, we're going to the future first now um, and really discussing what digital first ministry means, I think is important. So Scott is vice president of partnerships here at 5Q. Um, great guy to get to know. Again, use the facilities here to actually connect directly, make those connections um, and follow up individually with our speakers and all our peer participants afterwards. Uh, but Scott, um, basically for 25 years, um, he's been helping build and share um, a story of a brand that you probably know, Southwest Airlines. Um, and so while he was over there at Southwest, uh, Scott held a variety of sales and marketing roles with responsibilities, including corporate and government sales and media and community and sports marketing, uh, uh, integrated promotions. He's done it all over at Southwest. This is why I love it. You've got veterans in the marketplace coming over, bringing best practices into the ministry. Um, he transitioned to Seed Company, which I've worked with before, a great organization with a mission for Bible translation, life transformation, um, global partnerships. He was a senior executive there and worked on advancement marketing and communications. Um, again, the ministry space, he's got some significant experience there. And um, he's, he's got a, a beautiful wife, Mary, best friends over there. Um, they enjoy travel, outdoor sports. These are the things that I love talking to offline um, they have two sons um, out in the Midwest that's too. So it's a little bit of personal stuff. Uh, poke him on some of that as you get to know Scott. And Scott, I'm going to leave it to you to introduce our panelists here today because I think you're going to have a robust and healthy conversation. I'll check you out here in a few after the, after the panel. Sounds great, Kenny. Thank you. And I am really excited about uh, exactly right, the robust uh, conversation we're gonna be having here for the next 30 minutes. Welcome all to the Digital First Ministry session. The problem we're helping to solve in this session is that many of you are scrambling to find the right balance between physical, terrestrial, and digital in our ministries, right? 
And so the good news today is that we have with us strong leaders and heavy hitters who have been all in on digital from the very start. So the goal of this session is to have a panel discussion diving deep into the pros and cons of a digital first ministry. Uh, and while leaving time for your critical questions about how you can use digital mediums to be more effective in your ministry. So the flow of this session, I'm gonna make some brief introductions of our three panelists, excited to do that. We'll dive deep into some questions that I'll be asking the panelists. And then lastly, leaving time towards the end of the panel uh, for, for the panel to actually address your questions. So as far as introducing our panelists, thrilled to do so. First of all, introducing uh, to you Shay Hoodman, who is the founder and CEO of Got Questions Ministries, uh, which launched in February of 2002. GotQuestions.org has truly become one of the most frequently visited Christian websites in the world. Uh, secondly, introducing to you Brian Mosley, serves as the president of Right Now Media. His passion is to help people live out their faith in neighborhoods, offices, schools, and homes around the world. And so Brian leads the team at Right Now Media, which serves over 20,000 churches and organizations globally, representing millions of people with streaming video content that inspires people to action. And also introducing to you Jim Milligan, as co-founder and CEO of Blue Letter Bible. Jim's career actually began in accounting and financial management at the executive level during which time he earned his CPA license and an MBA from Pepperdine University. Uh, not a bad place uh, to grab your MBA uh, at Pepperdine. However, it was his love, Brian, or Jim's love, really for God's word and God's people that directed Jim to accept the call to full-time ministry in 1996. So I've got a few questions here that I wanna ask the panel. And we're going to jump right in and ask each panelist to just take a couple of minutes and share about your calling to lead your ministry and really how you got started. Shay, why don't we start with you? All right. Well, thank you for having me on the program. I've been looking forward to this for a while. So um, I find it interesting. The first question listed here is how did you start your ministry? And the interesting thing about gotquestions.org is when my wife and I started it, we didn't even think it was going to be a ministry. We really thought it was going to be a hobby. The internet was just starting to become something that most people used, had in their homes, was becoming familiar and comfortable with. Um, I'd graduated from Bible college and seminary, didn't really feel a clear calling from God into any of the quote-unquote traditional forms of ministry, but I'd always loved technology, always loved to write. So uh, we were praying, God, what would be a ministry that would be a perfect fit for us? So we launched gotquestions.org, again, thinking it was going to be a hobby, just to provide a place where people could come, ask any questions they have about the Bible, and then we would re reply with a biblically-based response. Um, but there was such a huge need for it. No one at that time, no one in 2002 was really using the internet as a place of ministry. Most sites were a online brochure essentially for whatever ministry. There's a few, um, Blue Letter Bible, for example, a few others, but most were not really recognizing the potential of the internet to be used as an outreach, um, to reach people for Christ, to reach people with God's word, for promote discipleship and so forth. So such a huge need for God questions. It exploded, started getting hundreds of questions a day, 
uh, what in the world are we going to do? Just two of us, we have full-time ministry positions already. So the last um, 18 years, I guess, are um, the crazy ride of watching God take what we thought was going to be a hobby and turn it into, like I said, um, one of the most frequently visited Christian websites in the world. So um, I remember we were surprised when we received our very first question and here 18 years later, we're um, over 600,000 um, questions that have been submitted to us that we responded with um, a personal response. So it's exciting, um, but yeah, we've been digital from the very beginning. Um, often people ask us, um, what do you do in the real world? Well, what do you do in the boots on the ground type of outreach? It's like, no, um, we leave that to other ministries who are already doing that. Well, we are an entirely internet-based ministry that seeks to use the internet to reach people for Christ and to proclaim God's word. That's great. Shay, thank you so much. Uh, it's a great way to start. Brian? Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. And big fan of Got Questions, so it's fun to hear that story, Shay. Um, yeah, so our ministry right now, Media, actually got its start 40 years ago. And so I uh, did not, I was not the, the founder of it. Actually, my grandpa and my dad were. And so over the 40 years of history, um, we've moved from a broadcasting documentaries media to creating VHS Bible study curriculum to creating DVD Bible study curriculum to now in this current, you know, digital chapter, creating streaming and Bible study resources. So we've definitely been through the transitions of, you know, kind of the broadcast analog to, you know, disc to hard media and then on to, to streaming. Um, so I got involved about 20 years ago. This is, I, I never thought I would work there, not because it was bad, but because I just thought God would lead me some other way. But um, a series of great things through college led me right back here to, to work with my dad and the ministry that was there at the time. There was probably about 70 or 80 people on the team 20 years ago. Um, again, at that time, it was all DVD driven. Um, but over the years, just we've had a very intentional um, thought process of if, if we're called to serve the church with content, um, we're not so much married to the medium, but we're, we're married to the message. So how do we get that message into the hands of the people that we want to serve? And so it was about 10 years ago, um, my dad stepped back in his leadership intentionally and proactively at a, at a relatively young age, um, was able to really pass the baton to myself and several other younger leaders. And, and so we began to say, okay, God, you've given us this legacy as a ministry. You've given us this passion for the church and this opportunity to create content. How do we, how do we move forward um, standing on the shoulders of what you've done before us? And, and so the streaming idea um, was starting to really take root and we just, we just kind of went all in and said, okay, if we're going to do that, we probably just need to say, that's, that's how we're doing it. We're not trying to live in both worlds. We're just going to go all in. So that, that's what we did about um, eight or nine years ago, I guess, once it really got going. And, uh, and it's what we still do today. And we love it. And we've seen our footprint um, maybe you certainly grow wider, but especially grow deeper, you know, with the churches we're serving. So I love the fact that we get to serve um, not just a group or a ministry at the church, but serve, you know, really at multiple levels from leaders down to kids um, with content that we hope helps them put their faith in action. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Really, really great, great insights, great start. Um, and so, Jim, over to you. Hey, uh, well, when we started programming VLB in 1995, it was just a group of guys that got together, wanted to see how to glorify this, uh, the word and, and the Lord with this new thing called the Internet. And, you know, it was pretty new at that point. It was kind of the wild, wild west. Uh, we were we were doing things on 14.4k phone modems. Uh, Google did not exist at that point in time. The search engine of the day was AltaVista, if anybody even remembers that name. Uh, how to find a search result 
Well, we still don't know how to do that, but you can hire uh, 5Q to do that for you like we did. And uh, so there was just this new whole digital framework called the internet that we had to kind of figure out and, and uh, navigate. But our goal was to make an online study Bible. And so we knew what we were doing was going to glorify God because his word doesn't return void. And so we knew we had a, a good premise of what we were doing. And we were excited that the first couple of weeks as we were programming this and, and putting it online and we'd get a hundred people, you know, for the week, visit the site and get excited about that. And uh, we never expected 25 years later to have 20 million users a year on the site. And uh, uh, that's all the Lord, because there was no ministry growth plan. We didn't have, you know, a, a pattern to go through. We're just giving it up to the Lord and asking him, uh, what do we do? Which is the answer to, I think, Chad's question at the end of his session is, uh, how do we make ourselves unique? Well, what the Lord is calling you to do. Yeah. So that that was us. Uh, in the start of Blue Letter Bible. Thank you, Jim. Uh, really great story, uh, really with actually with all uh, three of you. And so, you know, I think this, as you've all grown over time, you know, I think a question that many of us are asking is, well, how have you funded the ministry over time? And actually, I'm going to combine a, uh, another question with that. You know, so one of the questions is really funding. And then uh, based upon that, talk a little bit about your innovation and growing as a digital first ministry over time and how funding played into that. Uh, so question really about funding and then moving on to innovating and growing. So uh, Brian, why don't we start with you on that and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so when I think of kind of the, the history of the ministry and some of the different phases, um, when we started, we were completely donor-driven, and so folks were giving money to help see these missionary documentaries created, and that was about the first 10 years of our history. Within about 10 years, or at that 10-year mark, there's a transition from creating these documentaries to creating video-driven resources that could go straight into to churches. And so it was at that time that, that not only was the, the method changing a little bit as far as the content we were creating and how it was distributed, but we wanted the funding model to change as well. And so this was before my time, but... Um, but the thought was, if we're creating something valuable enough for the church to use and they're willing to pay for it, then that should, in theory, you know, offset those expenses. So they made a big a, you know, step of faith way back in the late 80s and said, we're going to create these video-driven studies on VHS, sell them to the church, you know, and to the youth ministries in particular at that time with the hopes that it's valuable enough for the church to want to buy it. And then that gives the money to go do it again. And that, that set a track for us over these last 30 years of... Um, we're a nonprofit, but we don't really generate our money or our revenue from donations as much as we do, you know, was VHS sales and then DVD sales. And now it's subscription sales um, to access, you know, as a church to access the, the content we have in our library. So funding for us has been started as donations, but eventually transitioned to be self-sustaining off of those subscriptions. And, um, and, 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 you know, there have been bumps and bruises along the way. I mean, when we moved from DVD to streaming, um, you know, you, you could almost budget to the penny what you're going to generate on DVDs because you've done it for so long, you kind of just knew that world. And then we moved into the streaming world and we had no idea what to expect and um, knew that we would, um, you know, see a decrease in the, 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 the revenue we were getting at the moment because you're kind of starting over with a new product line. But just we're trying to be, you know, kind of to your question, we're trying to be innovative, trying to be faithful, trying to be obedient and feel like 
this this is where we're supposed to go and so we wanted to to press through that and um so I, I think we would not have made it i mean we certainly would not have made it without god's blessing and god's grace in our, in our ministry and yet we probably also would not have made it if we didn't switch all the way over if we I think if we had tried to live in two worlds of dvd and digital for us we just didn't have the resources to manufacture warehouse ship dvds and build out all the technology infrastructure and so when we made that decision to move all the way in it was scary but i look back on it and think that's probably the thing that that propelled us to success so to speak because if we were living in both worlds we probably would have we probably would have drowned so um, so that's a little bit of kind of our funding story, but even how maybe some of the innovation and, and risk or, or steps of faith kind of helped us get to where we're at. Yeah, thank you, uh, Brian. Uh, as we, uh, Jim, uh, your thoughts around this, around how have you funded the ministry over time? What does that look like? Um, what approaches have you taken? And then also, um, how does that uh, really driven you to, to look at innovation and actually growing the ministry over time? Okay, well, I think our situation at BLB was a little bit unique in that uh, uh, co-founder for BLB, Frank Rabinovich and myself, we were involved in a foundation. And for the first 20 years of our ministry, we were, we were 100% pretty much 90% uh, funded by that foundation. And by design, there really wasn't a, a seeking to have uh, funding outside of that. And with the stock market crash, 2007, 2008, and the effect on the foundation, we just realized that wasn't going to be a sustainable model. And uh, at that point in time, you know, 20 years into the ministry, we decided we needed to be user funded. So now we're uh, coming along and trying to decide how we're going to fund this uh, ship that's going along and well-established. And uh, we had to, we had to, take a real hard look at what we were doing. And up until that time, uh, neither Frank or I had a picture related to this ministry by design um, in the sense of no one knew who we were. The ministry was kind of uh, anonymous because it was the Lord's ministry. But now you're going to switch to donor funding and and that doesn't quite work. You need to have a face related to that and, and who people are and so there, there was a real paradigm shift 20 years into the ministry about how to do this. And we, uh, we developed a donor development team, a donor relations team to come alongside and help get that uh, to where the ministry, we had a seven year plan uh, to get uh, to where we're totally funded by user relations of, of uh, people using the ministry, using the website. And so it's a big change for us and um, it, it's significant, significant in how we do things and, and where uh, time is allocated and, and how you do that. And so that was probably the one, the biggest thing in the last, uh, from a funding standpoint that uh, we had to deal with in the sense of innovation. Well, funding always has an impact of what you can do, especially in a technological ministry. And so whether you're buying servers, whether you're, whether you're doing something new, uh, it all relates on the funding basis. For us, the, the biggest probably uh, technological issue was the mobile revolution of the 21st century. To, to go totally from being desktop based to um, now everybody's, most of our contents delivered on a mobile device, whether it be from the website or from the app and how you, how you format that, how you deliver it, all the things that are related to that 
changed uh, when everything went mobile in uh, the turn of the millennium here. And uh, for us, we're going to be here a long time. That's going to happen again. We don't know what it is, but five years from now, 10 years from now, there's going to be another revolution that we don't yet know what it's going to be. And we have to kind of have the funding to do that and the ability and being willing to turn a ship. And that metaphor has been used in both of these sessions here. But, uh, you know, when it takes five miles to turn an aircraft carrier, it takes, it takes some time to uh, make these changes. And you have to kind of be ready to do so and kind of forward looking towards that. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, that's really insightful. There's a lot there, as you've talked about, the funding and how that drives innovation and, and growth. Shay, what about you when, when we're looking at Got Questions, your thoughts around this? As I mentioned earlier, when we launched Got Questions, we thought it was gonna be a hobby, so fundraising wasn't even on the radar in the beginning. I think it was about six months in, someone contacted us and said, hey, I've asked you guys like 70 questions that I've had most of my adult life and you guys answered them excellently. I'd like to make a donation. Are you guys tax deductible? I looked at my wife, it's like, why does this person wanna give us money for this cool little hobby we're running? So that's was really the impetus for us looking into this. Like, you know, maybe this is gonna be bigger than what we thought it was going to be. So I um, went through the whole process of becoming a 501c3 nonprofit and um, started actually um, just putting a link on the site where people could make donations. Um, and we just found over the years that organic growth in donations is um, really works in the sense that when people have now been using Got Questions for five, 10, 15, approaching 20 years, they know it's not just some guy running a website in a, his mom's basement. It's actually, this is a legitimate ministry that's having a true impact. So as they've seen the sustainability of it, they've seen how we've grown and expanded over the years, they're more and more likely to donate. And so now we're seeing people, often when they donate, they will say something to the effect of, wow, I've been using you guys for a decade now. You've helped me in my Bible study. You've helped me prepare sermons. You've helped me, whatever. Um, I'd really like to donate. And then the donations are even getting bigger as people realize, oh, wow, Got Questions is doing translations. They're doing apps. They're doing Alexa. They're doing all these different things. Um, catching people at their interest point. So something that catches their eye. Um, being in the, in the sense like wherever the internet turns, um, being ready to dive into that. Um, it gets people excited about what you're doing. And then when you have the track record of being a long-term ministry that's had a um, verifiable impact, people are more likely to give. So now um, Got Questions is funded about 80% through donations and about 20% through other Christian ministries we allow to advertise on the website. So that's our model now. But um, again, just not trying to force it. Um, if we had done aggressive fundraising push in the very beginning, I think people would have been turned off. But just the fact that the vast majority of our donors are just people who've been using the website for years and have been blessed by it. That's essentially our fundraising model. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for that. Um, and, you know, I just encourage all of you that are involved in this session, as you have questions, please, please throw them in the, in the, uh, in the chat and uh, let us know. I've got one more question for these three gentlemen, and then we'll be moving to your questions. And so if each of you, uh, could just take one minute to recap um, what you consider to be one of the most critical and practical steps that you've taken 
um, on this on this whole topic. You know, whether it be digital first, whether it be specifically around funding or innovation, what is the most practical tip or step that you can share with our audience today that they can walk away with? So, Brian, why don't we start with uh, with you on that, and then we'll go to Jim and Shay. Yeah, I think the thing for our team that is paramount is just focus. Um, I had a friend a long time ago say, you know, especially when you're doing things digitally, um, you know, you don't want to slide into, into decisions, you want to really decide into them, you know, so we don't, you could do anything in digital, like digital all of a sudden makes you think, oh, I could take on everything and anything and I can do it because it's all digital and I don't have to have this physicalness. Um, so I, the analogy I've used with my team is, I feel like we're a pretty fast race car headed down the highway. We've got a very specific goal, we're video driven, um, it's moving fast, and I, I just, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to yank the wheel too far to the left or right and all of a sudden get us off course and flip that car because we know our destination, we're moving pretty fast. And so we're just going to stay focused on video. So we, we have just stayed laser beam focused on the thing that we feel like we're supposed to do. And, and there's been lots of other potentially great opportunities that have come our way to say, oh, we could also do this or also do that. But we've just said, this is the lane that we're in. It's, it's video media trying to create these discipleship resources for the church. Let's just stick there. Um, so I would just say for us, it's been focused on the one thing that we know we're called to do and that we're good at. Thanks, Brian. Jim? I guess the one thing I just to add, maybe hasn't really been said because I, I agree with, with that as well, but uh, is not to, not to forget people in this digital side of, of the ministry and, and, uh, we are ministering to people on the other end of these uh, packets that go out over the internet that are being ministered to. Uh, we have, you know, a policy of just when we get feedback that's encouraging to our staff, uh, that gets sent out to our staff so that they know uh, that what they're doing here is is meaningful and effective and being well received, and just even from our staff. And so continually trying to keep that in in mind in that our staff meets together even though it's a digital world we meet together we meet together every day for prayer and devotion in some form we uh, we get together in person and plush uh, once a quarter uh, uh, as much as possible we uh, we had our last quarterly meeting the week before everything shut down so uh, it's time to, to get going again but um, just remembering that uh, it's very easy to lose sight of, of uh, the people who are uh, helping to serve this all up and trying to have a plan to minister to them as your uh, key human resource in, in doing the ministry. So I would say not forgetting that and, and having, having a plan to deal with that. Thank you, Jim. Great point. People are truly the greatest asset that God has given us. And uh, uh, Shay, your thoughts, one, one practical step, one practical tip that you'd share with our audience today. It's hard to narrow it down to one, but I'd say once you're clear on what God's vision for your ministry is, don't become locked in in a, only one way to do that. So with God questions, for example, the ministry that God has called us to is to provide biblically-based answers to spiritually-related questions. Well, a website's not the only way to do that. Um, an app. Um, it was a big step for us to launch our um, Android and iPhone apps. It involves hiring programmers and developers to do those. So just thinking, okay, we're doing it really well in English, but you know, there's 
It's not just people who speak English who have questions. So translating got questions into now approaching 170 different languages and reaching people all over the world with the same message we're doing in English. And when they actually have fewer tools than us English speakers do. So it's taking the vision that God's given you for your ministry and finding ways to plug that into other streams, other um, avenues, not just being locked into just a website. Because in 2002, when we launched, um, the website was the really the only way to use the internet in a sense. But now there are multiple ways. And um, just recently, um, YouTube became the number two um, search engine in the world. So recognizing the power of that, that um, creating video-based answers. So again, take the vision of providing biblically-based answers to spiritual questions and finding other ways to uh, meet that need. So anywhere people are searching, we want to be there with answers. Excellent. Thank you. And so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to attack on to your point about moving from, uh, from a website to an app. And Cameron has asked a question uh, as it relates to this. And, and Jim, I think I'll uh, ask you to make a comment on this as we just have about a minute or two left here. But Cameron asked the question, does having a digital first ministry mean having a digital only ministry? I think it's a great question. And what are some ways that, uh, Jim, you have crossed over from digital to physical or made different kinds of connections? I think pretty much for Blue Letter Bible, um, it's a digital first ministry um, in the sense of uh, what we're doing is providing content related to uh, biblical study. It's uh, We haven't really, in this ministry, dropped over in the realm of, of um, ministering outside of that, other than my previous comments just about our, our staff and the people that respond to us. Uh, we, we get interactions with people that uh, choose to connect with us and ask for prayer and, and uh, that situation. But for us, digital ministry is, is pretty much digital first. Um, we don't use that term around here. It's, uh, you know, Bible first. Uh, not that that's, but um, we, we just understand that our, our point is, is we're not creating new content. Our content, to a certain extent, was solidified at the end of the first century. And what we're trying to do is provide tools to help people understand that. And um, to, uh, to the, the content of where we're going is around the world. Um, if you go on, on the website today, five of the 10 top popular pages are in Spanish. Uh, our biggest, the city with the biggest number of users is uh, Lagos, Nigeria. And mm -hmm. so the, these things for us are, are, are new in the sense of the growing base of who the people are that we're ministering to and, and understanding that. And to, to Shay's point is now getting these things in other languages or in things that they can understand is a huge aspect that, uh, don't know how we're going to do that. Very good, Jim. Thank you. And as we close out this session, I want to give a special thanks to Shay, Jim, and Brian for the investment of your time, uh, given the kind of roles that you have to be able to share your, uh, your expertise and your insights with us.
Well, we hope this discussion gave you some good insights into how you can think about digital in your ministry. Even if you're not like one of these ministries that, that is just 100% digital, if you have uh, ministries like most ministries, you're, you're happening in the non-digital space. It, uh, you're, you're, you're interacting with people face-to-face. And even if, that, even if that isn't the case, you can be thinking about ways, hey, how can we take what we do in a face-to-face environment and make it work in the digital space? And as you think about that, we here at 5Q, we'd be honored to come alongside as your digital partner and help you think through some of those, some of those key things. So just consider meeting with one of our digital strategists for a free 30-minute consultation to make sure your questions get answered. Just go to 5q.com contact to request your free consultation. So until next time, keep learning, keep growing. Together, we can multiply our collective impact.